authority is important. Father Dindo likes dogs in the rectory. I don't like dogs in the rectory. (laughs) Father Dindo wins out there. He's got power to make that decision and enforce obedience. Authority is important. In our society, there's there's an ever-increasing disposition for us to question and challenge authority. And in many ways, we as a a culture have grown very suspicious of authority. And that's a large part because of, there's been so many examples where authority figures have acted poorly and have downright failed us. That's why we've, there's a a large part, a, a loss of faith in institutions in general. That's everywhere from government, from schools to church. Examples are many of what we've seen. And a decline of authority can have big-time consequences for our day-to-day life. We've seen this in the last number of months, of course, when there is a, a break from authority. We can look at the riots over the summer with breaking into businesses and windows being smashed, and we can look at a few weeks ago of the overtaking of the Capitol. In our society, when there's no authority, things run amok. It is also the case that when there's no authority in the spiritual life, things run amok. The Bible's clear that we're in the midst of a spiritual battle. The battle's been won with Jesus' victory over Satan on the cross. Satan's been defeated, but he still lurks around, and we know he prowls around like a roaring lion looking to devour. And sometimes I think when we, when we think about a spiritual battle, we think of on like large, large terms, we think of like the spiritual battle that's going on out there on a macro level, which is true, that is the case. But the spiritual battle plays out in concrete and extremely personal ways in our day-to-day life. One of the main ways that the, the devil does that, uses that, we know the devil, one name we call him is Satan, which means accuser. He uses the tactic of lying and making accusations. That began, of course, in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve lying, whispering those lies of that God's not good. You're not loved. God's not a good father. And this is important because if we don't claim the authority of Christ, we're in trouble. We're essentially letting the devil run amok in our lives listening, like day to day, listening to lies and accusations within the spiritual battle, which is very concrete and extremely personal, we're very susceptible to those. Our gospel today, we see authority. Authority is on display here in our gospel. Jesus entered the synagogue and he taught the people with authority. And notice Mark doesn't say the content of which Jesus even teaches. That's not what Mark is concerned about here. He, the people were astonished because he taught with authority. Not necessarily even what he was saying, but he was one that spoke with authority. And not only did he speak with authority, he acted with authority. What did we see? The unclean spirit comes up to Jesus, and Jesus just says, quiet, come out. And the demon obeyed because of his authority. So we see those two things here in the gospel. Jesus teaches with authority, And Jesus drives out a demon with authority. And with that as our framework, I want to do two things this morning. 
I first just want to make a, a plea for us to submit to his authority. And secondly, I want to give us two practical tips or steps for us to use authority to overcome the devil in our day-to-day life. And to be honest, as I was telling Alex this a couple, a couple of nights ago as I was pre- preparing for the homily, to be honest, I'd like to go straight into these two practical steps of overcoming the devil in our day-to-day life because of the importance and the ways that we are attacked with accusations, but I can't. I can't do that because in order for us to fully claim the authority of Christ in order to, to resist the devil, we have to first submit to his authority. And a lot of us have not done that to the fullest extent. Because the idea of a supreme authority, this idea of that there's this all-powerful authority, this all-powerful voice that cannot err, it's extremely unpopular in our, in our culture today with, for us moderns. Why? Because we all want to do what we want to do. Like, I'm my own authority. I determine what's right. I know what's best. Right? Everyone wants to get onto Twitter and share in 250 characters their thoughts and their way of thinking because their thoughts and their way of thinking are so profound. And this translates easily, very quickly, to questioning even doctrines of which we've held for centuries, for a thousand years, because now we're so enlightened, so we reason our way out of a supreme authority's voice, which has always been a great you know, verse to look at with regards to this is Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, where the Lord says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways higher than yours. So I need to submit to this supreme authority. Like, even it's like, Lord, I don't get this. I don't like this. I don't like that it's this way. If, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have done it this way. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have it this way. But I'm going to submit to you anyways because your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your God, I'm not. Your ways are not my ways. So I'm going to submit. And obedience here to this supreme authority is key because it leads to authentic freedom. Obedience leads to freedom. And after submitting to this authority, I can claim that authority, which I now have by the virtue of my baptism, to battle against Satan in the spiritual battle in day-to-day life. We have a great amount of authority to fight against the devil in our day-to-day life. Jesus has set us up to succeed against the devil great verse of this is just James chapter 4 verse 7 where he just simply says resist the devil and he'll flee I read that I'm like how can you say that James almost seemingly nonchalantly resist the devil and he'll flee here's how authority evil has to submit to the authority of Christ because it has no power over him so, okay, so how do I practically do this? How do I resist the devil's, specifically with regards to lies and accusations which we hear on a daily basis? What does that look like? Two practical steps I want to give us. First, to be experts in listening. And secondly, be quick to rebuke. 
experts in listening, this spiritual life has great subtleness to it. The devil's sneaky. He has tricks. Paul says this in his letter, the epistle to the Ephesians. In order to resist, I've got to recognize the lies and the accusations that he gives. And if I think, well, like the, the, maybe that's for other people. The devil really doesn't, you know, whisper lies to me. Doesn't really give me accusations. Don't be so sure. Because of the quick-paced life that we live, and we don't leave much time for reflection, we oftentimes don't notice the lies or accusations that we hear that maybe even we've come to believe are true that because they've been even for so long. What messages do I hear day to day that I've come to believe that just, I think, just rise up within me? That I'm not known, I'm not loved, I'm not good enough, or after I sin, I can't change. This is who I am. I am this sin. A a spirit of hopelessness, a spirit of fear, a spirit of discouragement. And the key here is listening to the distinction as the subtle, the the, the subtleness in the spiritual life is listening to the, the distinction between accusation and conviction because God never accuses. He does convict, but he doesn't accuse. So just to give an application here to to make this down to earth for us, an example of a a father who, who loses his patience, he loses his cool, and he goes off on the kids, a yelling tirade, and he does damage, and he feels bad about it. Lying in bed maybe later that night, he hears a thought, you're a bad dad. The tone here is, is key. Does it come in a form of accusation? You're a bad dad. How could you have done that? You're never going to change. There's no hope. I feel the weight and the pressure of my sin, that God is far off. There's, there's no hope. It's like this is just it. And I feel crushed with even the weight of it. Or does it come in the form of conviction, which is the good spirit? Boy, did you mess up earlier. The good spirit wants to convict of, of any sinfulness, but we don't, we're not, we're not, we don't feel the weight and we're not crushed underneath the weight of the sin. I have a sense of hope that I can change. There's a future. God meets me with his arms wide open with mercy because the voice of God is kind. See, how it, it's subtle, it's crucial here. If any of the words carry an accusatory tone, they're from the evil one. The words themselves might be true, but if they come to you in an accusatory tone, you know that they're not spoken by God because the voice of God is kind. And so Satan knows where we're susceptible. He knows our story. He's, the evil's not creative, so he knows he works with our past. He knows maybe past wounds of things, our story, and he uses those things and he knows the entry points of where we're susceptible of listening to accusations or we can listen to lies. This is where the discernment of spirits come in and I just encourage you to look into St. Ignatius' rules for discernment, discernment of spirits. You can look at a book. I'll put it on the website, Father Timothy Gallagher, The Discernment of Spirits. And after we become experts in listening here, this is where we are quick to rebuke. 
When Jesus is confronted with the evil, unclean spirit that comes in the synagogue, he just says, quiet, come out. And the spirit comes out, obeys immediately. Because of his authority, Jesus' authority, we can claim that same authority, the authority of Jesus in us, that's in us because of our baptism. Now, the church is clear that we're not to, to claim authority where we don't have authority, right? If you talk about exorcism, right? Priests ordained holy orders where bishops even appoint special priests to do exorcisms. But you do have authority due to your baptism of Christ in you in rebuking evil and rebuking lies and accusations that come. Right? This isn't self-help. This isn't new age stuff of like just speak and things happen. But it's the authority of Christ. The catechism has this beautiful section talking about the power of Jesus' name. Just saying Jesus' name makes him present. There's power in his name. And so with rebuking, what does that look like? It's using Jesus' name and saying, in Jesus' name, I rebuke the lie that I'm not loved. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the lie that I'm not worthy, that I'm not good enough, that I'm defined by what I do, that God's love is dependent upon my performance. And then I simply announce the truth. Our culture loves to see Jesus as someone who's just a good teacher, that he's just one for us to follow as a good moral example. But we see in the gospel today that Jesus is anything but just a good teacher. He's anything but just one who we're to look for as moral example. He is one with supreme authority of which that we must submit to because he teaches with authority and he acts with authority, and one of which that authority we can call upon in our daily life to fight and resist the devil. If we don't, things run amok.